And welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly podcast where we rank every X-Men story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Adam. You're Adam? I'm Adam. Wait, what? No, I'm Adam. I'm Adam. Wait. Uh, Pork roll. (laughs) New Jersey. Art. Zach, just because... You peeled my face off and are wearing it around like it's Silence of the Lambs doesn't mean that you're me, okay? I'm Adam. (laughs) You are not Adam. I don't care how many times you do face waterfalls. Guys, we're talking about an issue of comics today that rips off the the famous movie Face Off. Adam, have you seen John Woo's Face Off? I have seen John Woo's Face Off in theaters when it came out. That's right. I'm old. (laughs) This, This, just to be clear... This book was released in October of 1997, a mere couple of months after Face Off came out. Yeah, so uh, I've never theme... I've never watched Face Off. Just to be clear, you've so. never seen. Okay, so when I say Face but Water, I have ridden the roller coaster multiple times. There's a Face Off roller coaster. There was a Face Off roller coaster at Paramount's Kings Island. It was Get a out. It was a great roller coaster. It dangled your legs. They were hanging cars. You faced each other in the cars. So like two rows were looking at each other the whole time. And what it would do would pull you back up one side and go down really fast. And there was a loop and another loop. And then you'd go up another side. And then the front would become the back. And the back would become the front. Oh, uh, wow. It is after Kings Island uh, was purchased by the Cedar Fair group. And they lost the Paramount licensing. Or Paramount sold it off. And they said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Use all of our movies. Uh, I believe they renamed the coaster to Invertigo. Oh, okay. It so, is still there to this very day. So since you have not actually seen the masterpiece that is J- Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, quote unquote, switching faces. Um, <laughs> when I say face waterfalls, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. So <laughs> the good character uh, who's played by John Travolta. Um, he, <laughs> he has this gesture that he uses with his wife and his child, which is he puts his hand over their face and kind of like doodly do with his fingers, like down the, the front of their face. It is very, very strange, but it is one of the ways in which they realize that when the evil John Travolta, who's actually Nicholas Cage shows up, that he is not who he says he is. And by golly, it's weird. <laughs> that's that's the movie that has uh, highly experimental face uh, transplant surgery. Right? <laughs> that is the one. That is the one. Uh, if you didn't catch on, folks, um, not only is Face Off part of our episode this week, but uh, we're, we're doing stories based on the movies. That's our theme. So... Break out your buttered popcorn, um, hold hold for pee breaks, and uh, let's let's dive in. Let's all go to the movies, uh, and we're <laughs> going to the movies today because Patreon supporter J.W. McCormick said that they only like X Men comics based on major motion pictures. Here's the 
here's the trick. And if you want to be like J.W. McCormick and give us a real brain teaser, you can go over to patreon.com slash comicsxf, reach deep down into your hearts and your pocketbooks, uh, and toss a couple of coins into our coffers. Here's the trick. Chris Claremont, notorious for writing stories about whatever movie he saw that weekend. That's right. We love him for it. They are some of the most beloved comics in X-Men canon. We have also covered nearly all of them. (laughs) We're sitting through like, Aliens is that one. That's Terminator. Uh, That's Ghostbusters. What are we we still doing here? What are we trying to figure out? However, we have found some, starting with one that I didn't realize was based on a movie and I should have X-Men Unlimited 17 by Terry Cavanaugh and Tom Lyle, where Wolverine and Sabretooth face off. <laughs> sort of. Cannot They're... emphasize enough. The movie had just come out. Yeah. Uh, they do not actually switch faces, which is disappointing. Uh, however, they do. They don't psych- not switch faces. Well, they psychically switch bodies. They do not. This is a white queen. Uh, storm scenario. This is not a... Which some would argue is also a (laughs) face-off. Yes. Well, um, so this issue begins with who we think is Wolverine busting into uh, Warren Worthington's office and being very grouchy with him. To be fair, Wolverine and Angel have a long-stated hate of each other. Yeah, I mean, why why would they ever be friends or hang out? They are not... Uh, the the friendly type. Um, but it's quickly revealed within a couple of pages that the actual Wolverine uh, is is sort of trapped with Sabretooth's mind, trapped inside of Sabretooth's like comatose body. Yeah, because he was going skiing, uh, and then this new mutant got a hold of him named Miss Who or Miss Ho. I don't actually know how to pronounce I think it's it. Who? I think it's Who. I think it's Who. Yeah, she has one appearance. You don't really you don't really see her. You see like the back of her head. She has the power of making you do a face off. <laughs> right. Yeah. And 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 Sabretooth has sought her out so that they can do this face off um, so that he can gain access to Warren Worthington's super, super, super secret uh, test lab that even Warren Worthington doesn't know about because it does look like they are working on a new version of Forge's power nullifying gun. So part of me is not shocked that Warren Worthington III doesn't know every last thing that his company is involved in because A, he's really bad at being a CEO because he's (laughs) never there. And B, he's kind of dumb. And if they were keeping that from him, then maybe they were keeping, you know, like, bunny ranches from him and other things that you will learn Warren Worthington's company was involved in, but Warren Worthington, the third had no idea of, Hey, do you remember how Warren Worthington, the third once made Enol the CEO of his company? Yeah. Just for kicks. Wasn't that when he was like a reborn angel though? Yeah. I think he was going through a psychotic break at that point, which is often for Warren Worthington, the third, Right uh, now, he's actually in one of his more lucid moments. Yeah, yeah. He's we saying, don't see yeah, him I'm that still, much, but I'm still blue, but <laughs> it's fine. There is a very interesting thing where Wolverine gives him the same talk that he gives Nightcrawler in that nice uh, classic X Men story. Oh yeah, except, except for it's, it's not Wolverine; it's Sabretooth. Right. And then I'm like, <laughs> Sabretooth, you don't mutants as a as a species. 
you don't care about historically. Like nope. you're not mutant and proud. That's not that's not you. Why are you doing this to make the point? And then it's because Terry Kavanaugh had he wanted to make a point about Warren and all this stuff. But it seems weird coming from the Sabretooth man. Yeah, it's it's also odd that I mean, I guess I understand why Sabretooth is so interested in getting rid of this neutralizer, right? Because it's, it's a, a threat. mystique plot. It's not a Sabretooth plot. It is more of a mystique plot, but it is still a threat to Sabretooth. But I agree. Mystique still feels... would also be much better at doing a face off. That's her entire power <laughs> is doing a face off. So this does result a one sided in... face off a half face off. Yes. Uh, this does result in um, Warren eventually as Wolverine and Sabretooth brawl. Uh, Warren blows up the it, it's a neutralizer, but it's also just like a giant egg, which is weird. And yes. Warren blows it up with a, I guess, an AK-47. Like he basically just has on Why? a weapon and blows it Why up. Why did they not give him a rocket launcher? <laughs> like we all think the cover of X-Men 1 is when it's really just a steel pipe. Oh, boy. Got to give that boy a bazooka, right? Um, Give him a bazooka. Yeah. So the actual payoff for the face off, it's not really all that exciting, honestly. Like it's really just a means of getting Wolverine into this room and then they fight. So then they get switched back and that's it. I get why it's an X-Men unlimited story and credit to Terry Kavanaugh. He's trying to do interesting things with this. I don't think Sabretooth is the vehicle with which you can effectively do the things that you're trying to do with this story. Also, wasn't Sabretooth like super on X Factor underground at this point? You know, the timeline of X-Men Unlimited Nin- issues is never really concrete. Like it doesn't doesn't need to match up with the rest of continuity. So who knows when this took place? Um, I I I know exactly when this took place. It took place the month that it came out. <laughs> now I'm really I'm really okay. curious. Like, listen, I understand that not everything's happening concurrently, but like in the general scheme of things, this was coming out around X Factor times. Yeah. Just seems, I, just seems. My odd. recollection of this book in general is that when it started, it seemed to be a little bit more interwoven with the books that were coming out concurrently. But then it just kind of was like, yeah, here's some random stuff that's happening. Yeah. You know? It never, it never knows when it wants to be. And that's no. a big issue yep. with this book. Um, not loving Tom Lyle's art, uh, especially when the, our characters are for some reason wearing like ski skiing outfits. Why is the coloring so bad on this? Yeah. There's some really bad coloring. There's like a couple pages where Wolverine is just blue. I don't know why. I thought that was like a stylistic choice. And then like it was flashback. Yeah. But it's not, it's absolutely not. It's so freaking wild. Yeah. I don't get this book, my man. This is not as good as face off the movie just for the record. So if you were still thinking less about doves than I was expecting, no doves. Yeah. No, no, there's only there are a lot done. of doves in face off. Like, I'm not I'm not incorrect <laughs> on that. Right. No, that's John Woo's like signature thing is is the floating the the flying doves in slow-mo as, you know, shootouts, though the birds never seem to get sh- shot. So birds okay. are a very small target. This is bland. It's bland. The only novelty is, man, it is really weird. The X-Men immediately stole from face off. Yeah, I know it was a big movie. 
But the speed with which they got out a face-off parody? Well, and we did not mention that it literally says it on the cover. It says Wolverine and Sabretooth face off. Like, it's okay, on the now cover. That, now that I say this out loud, how much of that do we think was they had this issue, like, going, and then they're like, oh, well, this is just great marketing that we could throw on the cover <laughs> real quick. Like, it's now we have a word for this. It's doing a face off. Yeah, I mean, it's, there not, may be... it's not like a unique story, especially in superhero comics. No, no, it could very well have been a, a body swap issue that was already planned. And then they were like, ha some clever marketing. Uh, or maybe Terry Cavanaugh just was like really up on his Entertainment Weekly and his Empire magazine in the 90s and like knew it was coming out. Just strong plan there. Uh, maybe. Unfortunately, we weak book just i mean listen it's a terry kavanaugh comic so <laughs> terry kavanaugh the the architect behind the long run of x-man speaking of which adam uh we we have a list did you know that I sure do yeah big one a 723 story list all x-men stories all of these are x-men stories and nothing else that's right uh, there's no argument to be had we definitely didn't spend 20 minutes on the phone earlier today being like, does this count as an X-Men story? <laughs> and then we said, yeah, it does, because yes, Peter Corbo does. shows up. Yo, guys, I'll get to that one in the spring. Get uh, there's, there's 723 stories on this list on our road to 800. Uh, they're ranked from best to worst. House of X, Powers of 10 is at 1. Giant Size X-Men, number 1, is at 100. At number 200 is Generation X Underground Special. Number 300 is Gambit Volume 1. Number 400 is The Skinning of Souls. Uh, number 500 is Marvel Zombies Halloween. Uh, good for them. Number 600 is X-Men number three, Beware the Blob. Number 700 on our list is X-Factor Multiple Birth. And the Draco is right there at the bottom. Yowza. I think we're definitely below that Marvel Zombies issue at 500. Are we, we are. Worse than X-Men 3, Beware of the Blob at 600? I mean, we're... we're in interesting territory is where we're at. <laughs> Here's what I'd say. 613 is Sabretooth Mystique from their X-Factor days. Yeah, yeah. It's around there. Yeah. It's that level. I would say it's, that's better, though. It's n- at least hmm. art-wise, you know. I didn't like the art as much as you, but I understand it. Rise of Apocalypse at 615 is better than this. Uh Infinites of Evil from X-Men is better than this. Wow. Oof. Knights of Terra. Knight of Terra at 625. Would still rather look at Knight of Terra than read this one again. Knight of Terra is the sequel, right? Yeah. Yeah, because Reign of Terra. Yeah, Knight of Terra is the sequel with Jandarsima that just doesn't do what you want it to. Is this better than Wolverine 49? Better to give? I think this is... Because I really don't like the X-Men and Weapon X Noirs at 630 and 631. Fair enough. So I'm stuck on 629, which is uh, Marvel Comics Presents Volume 3, 1 to 9, Wolverine the Vigil. Vigil sucks. Yeah, but is I think the Vigil may suck more than this. Um, is it better or worse than that Nightcrawler story with the Bamps, Night of the Bamps that just isn't what we want it to be? I like Night of the Bamps the first issue better than this. Not the second issue. 629 it is, my friend. Boom. It's X-Men Unlimited 17. We only right. have two X-Men Unlimited stories on here. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a library we need to uh, to explore a little bit more. We got to um, go back to that because we're running. 
I joke about us saying we're running out of comics. We're not. No, <laughs> so by many. no means. Speaking of which, there's another like wellspring of comics we really haven't touched that much of, and that's the Silver Age. Uh, so what's the double feature on our, our films here today? Uh, well, first we have John Woo's uh, face-off. Right, right. And then we have the classic Boris Karlov Frankenstein in Ooh. X-Men number 40. The Mark of the Monster. I don't know. I don't know who directed the Frankenstein movie that Boris Karloff was in, folks. I will look that up as you describe this particular funny book. So this is a Roy Thomas Don hack. Uh, George Tuska is doing those inks. This one, it's like it's a very generic X-Men story. They have just gotten their new costumes uh, at the end of the Factor Three event. So Roy has finished up his big ongoing arc someday we'll talk about factor three not (laughs) soon but someday but you know like that's that's a not insignificant amount of x-men that they're trying to do and then right after this they're going to completely change the book and have the death of professor x and try and take the team in a different direction and this is stuck in the middle there this is Says on the cover, the X-Men meet Frankenstein. Enough said. <laughs> well, that is, that's just scratching the surface here, folks. Um, I looked it up. Uh, the director was James Whale of the 1931 Frankenstein. Um, so Frankenstein. Frankenstein's this, monster. Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein was the, was Victor Frankenstein, the doctor who created him, right? That's Yes. And the that's great- how. F- that's what we know about Frankenstein is that he was created by a doctor in a lightning storm and said, it's alive. <laughs> yes. But professor X has his own ideas about Mary Shelley's novel. Namely, it was real or Mary Shelley based her book on real events. I guess Mary Shelley based her book on the fact that there was a dude that looked like a Frankenstein. Huge insult to Mary Shelley, by the way, <laughs> like professor X that's that's professor slander. X noted misogynist. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> the number of times that Jean is referred to as female woman or girl in this issue is just so, so not folks, folks, Roy Thomas sure was Stan Lee's protege. Whew. Um, it's rough. So it's implied by professor X though. He doesn't seem to have any evidence of this whatsoever. He's just, he read nice. Frankenstein's monster's mind. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's how he knows this. Which becomes very confusing with the next sentence you're about to say. So I want you yes, to say it. Is that Dr. Frankenstein may or may not have been a mutant, but Frankenstein's monster is not a reassemblage of like corpses reanimated by lightning. He's it's, what, Zach? Uh, he's an alien robot, which does throw his Dr. Frankenstein is a mutant theory out the window. Also throws the how did he read the robot's mind theory out the window. Right. He's an, he's an Android of some kind. How, and we recognize that he doesn't have a traditional mind to speak of. Um, but we know that he is real because explorers have found him in the ice, uh, just as he might have been after the end of the actual novel. So he has been thawed out by some moron at, uh, where, what museum is this natural history museum? I uh, museum of, science. I don't know. Place where you wouldn't thaw out a giant robot. From- <laughs> it's the city museum of New York. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, and he begins to wreak havoc. He does not like the X-Men. That's for sure. He just oddly hates the X-Men out of seemingly nowhere. Doesn't like their costumes. Really against the costumes. It's just so much of this is so weird. And Frankenstein I not... has, he has uh, laser eyes that are <laughs> that are more powerful than Cyclops's apparently. Frankenstein's <laughs> monster does have laser eyes. <laughs> so the X-Men fight him on a ship and then he blows up. That's what happens. That this is a bad is... story. There's nothing to explain. Here's what's weird though. You know that all of this is not actually true because Dr. Victor Frankenstein is a character in the Marvel Universe and did create a Frankenstein's monster, just like Mary Shelley said he did, because Marvel is a world where all stories are true. And we also, you know, have to remember that Dr. Frankenstein was the great grandfather of Maximilian Frankenstein. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we, we know this is part of Marvel continuity and yet here is robot Frankenstein. (laughs) It sucks. I enjoyed this quite a bit, Zach. This is Uh, did you enjoy reading it or did you enjoy like, oh, man, this is a dumb comic. Both, both, because it is very dumb. And every couple issues, something really, really weird happened. And I was like, why? What is this? I mean, because it's so far out of like even what we think of X-Men now. You know what I mean? The opening sequence with the danger room is basically a cylinder with like, you know, I guess some force beams in it. And, you know, by the time we get to the, I I guess Cyclops kind of runs out of force beam. uh, And that, you know, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, that's why he doesn't like costumes. He doesn't like costumes because the people who created him, in outer space had colorful space uniforms. Like right, right, uniforms. right. Like that's this crazy. Is... <laughs> Here's the thing. This is a 1950s monster comic. Only it's not drawn by Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko. And it's not written by Stan Lee. So it's worse than all of that. Oh, it's, it's like, it's not well done by any stretch. It's like, you look at this and you're like, okay, that's, it makes sense why this was the one they canceled makes sense why x-men stopped being a going concern for marvel because this was the trash garbage they were putting out yeah i (laughs) there are a couple of really funny moments in here like when when they're like well xavier how'd you figure this out he's like well i was um you know i was doing mental exercises uh (laughs) it's none of the humor in this is intentional no that's the problem yeah 60s comics are Actually, no, 60s comics tend to be pretty good. This particular run of X-Men is all bad. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty terrible, um, but I enjoyed reading it. So, uh, there, like like you said, there's not a lot to get into here. Like, it's Frankenstein's a robot. They, they get beat up by the robot, and then they blow him up. And uh, uh, great. Cool. Frank this 10. is not as good as number 600 X-Men number three, but where the blob? Uh, no, no, I think uh, we're done. I don't know if this is as bad as that first story we read though. I, th- I think this is, this is a weird curio and uh, I, I think there's something to enjoy here. I will not put it a single spot higher 
than 626 Spider-Man, Storm, and Power Man, Smokescreen, a comic <laughs> that is better than this. I would that agree. That is only two spots above the face-off comic. That All is right. a hard line in the sand I am drawing. <laughs> this is oddly the exact right spot for it, though. I think so, because uh, right below that is Wolverine Volume 3, 36 to 40, Origins and Endings. Okay, wait, hold on. Do we really think that this is better than Amazing Spider-Man 420? Hashtag blaze it. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. No, maybe we need to go further down. Um, I don't like this comic at all. I see, think it's... I don't think you're giving it enough credit as, as just being something like extremely silly from its time. Like I certainly think it's better than six thirty seven X-Men hidden year six to seven. So then we're putting it right under there. We're putting it right there because that's right under X-Men Amazing Amazing Spider-Man 420 My Christmas with Nate Gray. Perfect. Uh, So Universal Monsters face off. What is this last one, Zach? Because I think this one might be a book that uh, our listeners may not have have read before. Adam, this next comic you could only get by purchasing a movie. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Purchasing a Stanley Collector Edition version of everyone's favorite film, X Men: Colon The Last Stand. Oh, I remember that movie. That was the movie that I sat through 20 minutes of, and then the sound went out, and I had to leave the theater because they couldn't figure I it out. I sat through most of X-Men 2000 with the sound working, and then in the climactic scene uh, with Rogue letting Wolverine absorb her powers to live or whatever, or Wolverine letting Rogue absorb her powers to live on top of the Statue of Liberty, the sound went out. Gosh, golly. Wouldn't you know it? That's a, that's a very strange coincidence. But I, movie theaters, you know, not always what they uh, what they are today, you know. And what they are are places where there is sound most of the time, and what comic books are are places that don't have sound. <laughs> but I want I want all of you to record the sounds that you make when I tell you that there is a comic that is credited to Stanley, Ron Lim, Ben Oliver. Ron Friends, Klaus Jensen, Sean Chen, John Romita Jr., Pascal Ferry, Lanil Francis Yu, and Howard Shaken that you could get in a DVD box set of X-Men The Last Stand. Absolutely bonkers. <laughs> I had heard about this. You've, you've told me about this many times, and I have yet to actually read it until we got to this episode. And uh, by golly, it's real. It exists and uh, let's get into it because this story is about Stanley himself being visited by Professor X and Magneto for some reason. Yes. So Stanley wrote this comic. Sure he did. And that is how that is how it is credited. I we normally don't shout out editors, but I would like to shout out editor Ralph Macchio, who uh, edited this book. And that's all he did. I'm sure. <laughs> Um, what we get is Stan, Stanley Lieber, you know him from pop culture. Sure. Such, such hits as, remember, this is 2006. So while Stanley has made cameos, they were cameos for people who knew who Stanley was from comics and not from making cameos in Marvel movies. Right. Stanley is on his terrace looking busy to impress his wife. <laughs> when the X-Jet shows up, 
And Professor X and Magneto start hanging out. And they're like, wait, why is Magneto and Professor X hanging out? And then immediately Stan Lee starts reciting X-Men history. He's like, oh my gosh, in Uncanny 150, he sunk the Leningrad. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, Stan, I know you didn't read that comic, but let's go. <laughs> and they also begin to immediately start insulting Stan Lee. They have no Pages. time or patience for this blabbermouth. Page upon page of the comic book characters Magneto and Charles Xavier negging Stan Lee. <laughs> when I tell you that they gave this away with a terrible movie, I am not kidding. This is a real thing. You can get it on eBay for three US dollars. <laughs> it does involve Magneto uh, taking Stan Lee's flip phone from his pocket with his magnet powers and turning it into a muzzle that he puts around Stan Lee so Stan Lee can't talk. Hey, Adam, I know it's been a while since you and I have touched a flip phone. Um, do you remember them being made out of metal? I remember them being made more out of plastic, but, uh, you know, Magneto's powers know no bounds. Um, so hold no. on. I feel like I feel like polymers are the one bounds he definitely <laughs> has. <laughs> it, it listen doesn't matter. It's colored silver in this particular case. It, it, it's what it is. Uh, and from this point on, uh, Professor X and Magneto begin to take Stan Lee on a journey through the X-Men's history. They do a, they do a Christmas carol to him. Pretty much, yeah. They're yeah, like, they this is him. you, Stan Lee. <laughs> uh, except, all right, so the idea here being that Stan Lee had a hand in the X-Men's history past the silver age, because once we get past the silver age, we are now going through, as Zach mentioned, there's a really cool roster of, uh, of, of collaborating artists on this. And we are being introduced to days of future past the mutant massacre onslaught, uh, Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Like, okay. Stanley, did not have anything to do with any of that, but okay. It's a, it's jumping through all of these, all this history of the X-Men and like how Stanley made all these things because Stanley for right, wrong or indifferent. I mean, there's people, there's people today who think that Stanley was writing all of the Marvel comics until he died. Instead of Stanley stopped writing most comics in 1970 and right. then tried to make films a thing for a while and failed miserably. Um, and then oddly it worked out anyway. Yeah. In his lifetime. So yeah, listen, yes. he was vindicated in like, these would make great movies. <laughs> he wasn't wrong. He was uh, several decades too early on that pitch. Um, so also Stanley was probably bad at pitching those movies. Who knows? God knows. Right. He spent a lot of time in what we have to show for it. Uh, what's the best thing that we have to show for Stan Lee's, tenure of pitching Marvel stuff out in Hollywood. Uh, um, the fact that Jessica Walters played Clea in a made for TV, Dr. Strange movie. <laughs> I think I was that's say it. Dolph Lundgren Punisher, but uh, you know, I've never, I've never seen the Dolph Lundgren. Punisher. Oh really? You should. You've got, you've got a double feature now. You've got to watch face off and you really should watch because where else can you see Dolph Lundgren as Punisher steering a school bus full of children away 
from like ninjas. Um, this sounds like every <laughs> Dolph Lundgren VHS movie, just without the IP of being Punisher. I think you will have some fun with it. Um, is it also kind of racist? Sure. Oh um, yes. But I mean, again, Dolph Lundgren VHS. Yeah, just, just you know, you keep the context in mind. Anyway, so the reason that uh, Charles and uh, Eric have been dragging Stanley through this history is for the very simple reason that they are tired and would like a vacation. And of course, Stanley being the master mind of the Marvel universe that he is, he opens up his laptop and spirits, both of them away to a lovely vacation only to close this issue out by saying that he is going to send a threat to them. So what is it? An invasion from an another invasion dimension? from another dimension. Ah, um, so there you go. Listen, I got, I think the gag's cute. I think like you get to the point where they're like, dude, we're really tired. Can you give us a vacation? Here's what I don't understand, Adam. Yeah, please. I've watched the Fox cinematic X-Men events. Uh-huh. Yeah. They were very important to my development as a fan of the X-Men. Sure. Understandably. There's a few things in those movies, especially in the first three, that I don't remember. Such as? Part of um, any of the Silver Age X-Men, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Days of Future Past, well, except that. for that one shout-out in the cold open, uh, Danger Room cold open of X-Men The Last Stand. Best part uh, of the movie. Me- it's terrible. I'm movie. trying to think if that's... It is a terrible movie. I'm trying to think if that is the best part of the movie. It's a pretty good sure. opening. That opening's pretty good. Well, Hugh Jackman Wolverine does... Try- Spend time lighting a cigar off of a burning sentinel at that yeah. rules. That scene is uh, pretty good. The mutant massacre onslaught in Planet X also do not appear. So here's my question. Who is this for? I had the same question. They name drop Casada. They name drop Dan Buckley. Who who is reading this other than the people that made it and going, this is funny. I mean <laughs> You want us. the you want the terrible yeah it's us, us. sixteen years later Adam right That's the but, but you are absolutely right that it doesn't make a lot of sense for your average superhero movie consumer at this point because they're probably not reading these books or, and are just a regular person an average superhero movie consumer especially in two thousand six was just a person who wanted to see an action movie sure now that was it that said I want to applaud the effort why because there really doesn't seem to be any effort whatsoever anymore of drawing readers back to the books because what are the books other than just an ip farm for the eventual movies that get up on the screen right so we're making fun of this i'm gonna just just you go you go you go i'm sorry i'm sorry at least there's an effort here to say okay if you like these characters Here's some hints of some other things. I just wish I, this book does not really give you any suggestions on like where to find that stuff, like what issues they might be or what to be fair, to be fair. And I don't know which ones are included in in this, but there are a couple of X-Men comics included in the actual like reprints. I believe there's three reprints included in this. So it's like a thicker a thicker insert. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Uh, how did I read these comics? I'll never tell. <laughs> uh, 
Mine's it's in actually the a lot. It's actually a lot harder than you think to find this copy. Yeah, I could not find it, and uh, I am I'm very excited because I believe I have a copy coming in the mail. I'm so. again four dollars on eBay. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that <laughs> DVD soon. That's what um, we call an investment, Zach. <laughs> I will say, in the same way that you enjoyed X Men, Meet Frankenstein. Nuff said. Yeah, I enjoyed this comic so much. It is one. It is people making fun of Stan Lee which I think is delightful. Always. Stanley Stanley was a human with the positives and negatives that come with that. Uh, and I think it's, I think given his mythic status, it's really funny to see him poking fun at himself, question mark. Uh, but more fun to see the comic book character, best friends, Magneto and Charles Xavier making fun of him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Great even, if, even if it doesn't really sound like the, those characters or, you know, whatever this is, but I think it's a lot of fun. It's in, it's in good humor. Uh, you know, if Stanley was the actual architect of this and it wasn't just put together by an editor, um, who knows, but I'm sure Stanley did a dialogue pass. That sounds great. I am a hundred percent sure Stanley did a dialogue pass. He said, yep, that sounds like me. <laughs> Fru believer. So it's fun. Excelsior. I also think it's one of those Enough things. Said. I'm got done. Anymore? I'm done. Got anymore? I'm done. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm done. I mean, you know, he's got some phrases. Uh, I, I face think front. I forgot one. I forgot one. Okay. Now, now <laughs> that I think was pretty I good. Fun. You, you nailed the voice on that last one. That was good. Uh, I think this is one of those oddities, you know, like X-Men at the Texas state fair that X-Men fans. I, I don't know. I, I know I love this kind of stuff where there's just, Adam, I don't know if X-Men fans love this because they don't know it exists. I know part of what I wanted this podcast to be since its inception is an opportunity for us to talk about dumb stuff like this. That's I've right. been waiting to talk about this specific comic for some time now. I think we've now, been talking about this comic since we started doing the show. We kind of, I feel like we've been mentioning this, like well, at some point we need to cover this one. And this was finally the opportunity. You know what? We were there with the wizard of the coast, uh, trading card game tie in, <laughs> yeah. but we haven't the next, the next milestone that we have to make organically work is of course the, the uh, yeah, the TV guide comic that Chris Claremont in Salvador La Roca did that one. That one's got to happen sooner or later. Well, we just did a movie episode, so maybe we'll do a TV episode at some point. No, because what are we going to do? Talk about the gifted? Forget I, about it. Dude, I don't know. We've already done Mutant X. Like, we already did that bit. I'm just saying there's there's opportunities. I'm not saying it's on the calendar. It's just. They I'm did just... put all of X-Men Adventures onto uh, the app recently. So oh, I have some trade paperbacks of those. They're fun. I've Andrew already seen Wildman the TV show. I don't and... need to watch them. Yeah, but you get that Andy Wildman art, man. It's it's... okay. But I've also read the manga adaptation of the first season. I know. Which you get weird. Love the manga. Guys, there's some weird X-Men comics. Oh, we got to do another manga episode. That'd be great. We got to do that. We're going to tell Gamayer X-Men. People think think we're making jokes up. Zach, we, we haven't ranked this. We're just like blabbing. We, we have not put this on the list. We need to put this on the list. Okay, so House of X Powers of Ten is at number one. And I'm just saying. <laughs> this is season is good. <laughs> I think this is worse than skinning of souls at four hundred. I would actually is is the skinning of
Breakup Soul is good. It's it's better than this. Okay, because right under that is the X Babies miniseries. Yeah, a miniseries that isn't as good as you want it to be. That's true. That's true. Okay, at three ninety six is X Factor Forever. That's just a bit up from Skinning of Souls, and this isn't as good as X Factor Forever. No, no, it's not. Um, I would, if I had my druthers, I would put it at the new three ninety eight between Deadpool Volume Two and uh, X Uncanny X Men Breaking Point, uh, the Kieran Gillen arc. Yeah, I because that, that's fine. Yeah, I I think it's better than Skinning of Souls, but I can appreciate why you would say it's not. I think that's a great spot for it. It's for what it might lack in uh, artistic integrity. It is a wonderful oddity. That is the kind of stuff that we love for this show. So it's got John Romita Jr. Drawing the mutant massacre again. I call that artistic integrity out the wazoo. Kind of wild that Sabretooth is just rocking a beard in that, in that (laughs) two page spread for some reason. I don't know why. Tyler main Sabretooth didn't have a beard, right? (laughs) Uh, yeah, I think he might have. I know he had, he had I know a, he had, had a mustache. mustache. Yeah, uh, he has, he has stubble. Uh, it depends on the scene. Yeah, he has a short beard. He has a really he does, short beard. He does have a little something. He's got, he's got a little something, something. Uh, <laughs> man, oh, that was, man. that's that a weird movie. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that's a weird movie, man. Ray Park. Oh, Toad. I, I kind of want right. to watch all those again. I understand that people don't like them and there's mitigating factors around them in general. Fair enough. I already own the DVDs. I might as well. Or no, let's be honest. I might as well pop on that Disney plus subscription and just go through. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know that we've never ranked them because we only do comics on this show, but we we haven't done the adaptations of the movies. Oh, that's true. We've not done it any of those in the Chuck Austin X2 Nightcrawler adaptation. One of the wildest unreported on Chuck Austin stories. <laughs> It'll end up on the show eventually. Adam, do you think that story still has the incest angle? Because I tell you it does. Good God. What was Chuck Austin? What was going on in that man's brain? Uh, oh, so much. Zach, this I'm was a, a fun episode. I'm out of Twizzlers. I, uh, I think I got to run to the bathroom, man. It's been, we've been, we've been staring at the screen too long. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's wrap this one up so that we can, uh, spoiler alert, everyone literally do this again. So if you wonder why next week's episode may be loose, uh, <laughs> it's because this one started that way and it just keeps on trucking. want to thank JW McCormick, uh, for being a patron, supporting everything we do at comics XF. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Uh, we just put up our best of 2022 list. Go check that out. I think there's some really excellent picks that you may have missed uh, throughout this year on there. I know there's a few things that I didn't get a chance to read that are now top of my list to go check out. Yeah. ComicsXF.com exists. Patreon.com slash ComicsXF. There's other links. I'm sure. Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, folks can always follow me on Instagram at adam.rec. And um, I mentioned it last episode, but I had a piece come out on Gate Crashers about the movie Duel. So go check that out. I also did a blurb for the best comics of 2022 for Comics XF. So go check that out. And Zach, what are we going to be talking about in, for us, several minutes, but for our listeners next week? Politics. <gasps> Politics. How dare you? Don't play this one at the dinner table, folks. <laughs> Until then, guys, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!